welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Thank you for being on, on this podcast, Rich in Life. I appreciate it. So I want to let people know who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to Elizabeth Sutton, artist, hardworking entrepreneur, a divorced mom of two adorable kids. I mean, how does that kind of sum you up? It kind of does. I forgot beautiful. Also very beautiful. Irrelevant, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it always, um, it's always nice to hear. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Um, beauty on the inside, more important. But um, yes, self-taught artist, designer, entrepreneur, and single mother of two. That pretty much sums yeah. it up. And what's interesting about you, and I, I love this about you, and I'm a little jealous of it, is that you're such an open book. Like you let everyone know everything with such ease and without any apologies. How, were you always that way? I'm a very open person, but I'm also one of the most guarded people you'll ever meet. That's what my therapist tells me, actually. So um, even though I'm open and I give people ammo, nothing they say really penetrates me. So maybe that's why I'm okay being so open, because I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, but I do think I've always been open. I think that as um, I started my career uh, and became an artist, I definitely became a lot more open with the public about my life. Cause actually for a long time, I worked very hard taking myself of, out of the public eye of my specific community. Um, because I was always spoken about as a young kid and a lot of gossip and I didn't like it. And when I got to college, I was like, I don't need this. I want this out of my life. And I actually worked super hard taking myself out of the public eye. Now, you know, I share a lot about my life because I think I can help people. I think there's a lot of fake voices out there that don't paint a full picture that make it like life is easy and picture perfect. And mm -hmm. maybe that's true for some people, although probably not really, but it was definitely not true for my life. And I want to show people that you can achieve success even through, even after going through some super hard times and like, there's no playing victim if you want to get to a good place. Do you get backlash from being so honest? All the time, I make people very uncomfortable, but in the, especially my family. My family is very uncomfortable with how much I share. And people talk about me, I'm inappropriate or whatever. And actually, because of how much I share, people think they actually know a lot more about me than they actually do. As much as I share, I don't share 90% of it. But it causes people to talk about me as if they adamantly, as if they know me and they really don't know anything about me. It's very so interesting. I, I think that you're right about that. I think you're right about that. I mean, I did a little bit of digging and I think you're actually right about that, especially after talking to you before. Okay, no, people have a lot to say about me. People who never met me, people who have never met me, who's, I don't know, on any level whatsoever, they will really talk about me adamantly as if they know me and not necessarily nice things. And they know absolutely nothing about me. And this is something I experienced when I was younger. So it gave me a thick skin and it taught me not to care. And if I can, you know, I've been through all sorts of things from, you know, loss of two of my closest friends young. Um, one of my best friends died uh, after getting hit by a bus a day after sitting on my couch, 29 years old. Um, I got, I had a miscarriage, had a DNC. My father-in-law got very sick after a very public embarrassment in the community. We lost all our money, my ex-husband and I. I personally... Um, was not happy in my marriage. I found out very shortly after my miscarriage that I was pregnant. Um, the day I, earlier that day, I told my ex-husband I want 
wanted a divorce. That night I found I was pregnant with my daughter. My father-in-law died during that pregnancy. I had the worst pregnancy. I got divorced with a three-week-old baby and a two-year-old son in six weeks. So could we back up a little bit? I want to back up a little bit because this is what's going to be interesting for a lot of women. You got married very young, we know, but you also got divorced very young. And you told me that you got divorced, um, I think, when you were two months pregnant, or is that when you got divorced? No, no, when, I, when I had a three-week-old baby, I left him. Three weeks. Okay. So now people are probably wondering, how does that work out? Because I know you said you were planning this divorce from beforehand. So it wasn't like I, I knew why we were getting divorced. I just didn't know when. It was like a matter of time, and I didn't think it was going to be so soon. But I also got pregnant knowing I wanted a divorce. I didn't... Long story short is, you know, I had a, a really nice princess life, you know, got married young, 21, to a trust fund baby, had a really beautiful life, did whatever I wanted, traveled, wine and dine, my friends at our home, shopped, but I honestly wasn't completely fulfilled and I was never encouraged to work. I wish I had, but a lot of things in our life went wrong in a very short amount of time that led me to the decision to get divorced. You know, I probably knew earlier on, way before I actually did get divorced, that I had lost respect for my husband and that I was no longer in love with him. And I, you know, my biggest fear in life was divorce. So, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, which is, you know, have babies. And I really, I loved him. I just was not, I mean, I lost respect for him. It was a big problem. And our marriage was never perfect from the start. We had a lot of differences. So, and I, I, I just did what I was supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Until I basically lost a lot of very important things in a very short amount of time. And I said, I, this is not what I want out of my life. Like, I'll, we're too different. We were, we were working on our marriage, our whole marriage, you know, in therapy. And right. at a certain point, you have to recognize when it's not going to work. Um, so did you intentionally want to get pregnant? Did you intentionally want to get pregnant? So when you left the marriage, at least you had your family. Was that an intentional thing? No, try being pregnant, knowing you're getting divorced. It's a really bad place to be. Probably the worst place I've ever been. And my assistant died in my car. So I try not to think about it too much because I have my beautiful daughter, but I was hospitalized five times during that pregnancy with IV drips and fevers. And it's because of the stress, but starting October of 2000. 14 when I was pregnant with my son my life very quickly started going to shit my friend Anna Maria she was one of my closest friends she was sitting on my couch one day hanging out the next day she got hit by a bump dead 29 years old that was very upsetting then as I was having my son my husband basically sat me down on my couch and told me that his brother did something not right and because of what he did we lost all our money and basically we're in a lot of trouble I can't get into it beyond that. Like it was so much messier and uh, on both the financial level, on a public embarrassment level, on a personal stress level, on a lack of trust within the marriage level and on so many things. So the death of but, your friend, being pregnant, hearing this from your husband or well, now ex-husband. Well, I was about to, this is with my first son. So, so 2014, October, Anna Maria passed away. I had my son February 5th, 2015 which is right about when we lost our money. Um, I started working six months or so later when I realized that we were in serious trouble and my ex was staying in La La Land hoping that money was gonna come back and we were in trouble because I'm not the type to sit and do nothing. I accidentally, literally accidentally became an artist. I had never painted before. The only reason I started painting is because we were in the middle of a very fancy 
renovation on my son's nursery and we had lost our money and I had a specific vision and I could no longer afford the art I wanted anymore. So I picked up a paintbrush for the first time ever, made some But this is, the important, this is the important part I kind of want people to know in case they have a misconception about you. You didn't just lose money. It was more of there was a reason the money was lost through something that probably wasn't right by there you. There was a lot that- Because I don't think happened. you're the type that would leave someone just for losing money. So I know my ex-husband loves to tell people that I left him because he lost his money. And that's really a man who takes absolutely no culpability for their actions, right? At least I can own my behaviors. I actually don't give a shit what people think. If I want to, if I was a gold digger and I left my ex because he lost his money, I have 6,000 suitors who are probably worth $100 million who I can marry at any moment and make my life much easier. And so they can all kiss my little cushy. Okay, so now here's the thing. I don't know your ex-husband, I have no idea, and I wanna get back to the suitors. We're gonna get back to that later at the end of the thing, because I wanna hear about dating boys and if I can set you up with anyone, and what the criteria are. So everyone stay tuned, we're gonna find that out. But okay, not that so I love your compliment. Not that interesting, but I'll tell you, I don't often talk about my personal life, but I will. Did you have support and encouragement when you were gonna get a divorce? Absolutely Did anybody not. turn it, um, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. My, I bet you had it the other so, way around. People said, don't go, don't leave. So I, I'm not up to my divorce yet. So then after we lost our money, my father-in-law got very sick. He had a heart attack. He got cancer from the stress and embarrassment of it all. And I, you know, was, I was checked into my marriage. I was, you know, trying to help my family when I started working. Not, I wasn't planning on leaving when I started working, you know, so we were trying to have another kid, got pregnant. I miscarried at 12 weeks. When you miscarry, it really forces you, you know, when you experience any severe loss, it forces you to reflect on your life and recognize whether or not you're happy. And I realized I was really unhappy. And uh, three weeks later, or maybe a, a month later, you know, I don't even want to go into too much detail because it's almost TMI, but my ex really wanted me to get pregnant again and have a baby before his father passed away. So even though we weren't supposed to be trying because I had just had a miscarriage, he wanted to try. And I was a little controlled, even though he doesn't think so but it's fine and I got pregnant well because you don't seem like the type now that could be controlled now but I bet back I then you were younger than I am now I okay yeah very different than I am now I my biggest fear in life was getting divorced you know my parents took I say seven years my mom thinks says five years to get divorced but either way I don't talk to my father it's highly traumatic and you know so my biggest fear was always fear of divorce so I never thought I would get divorced but Literally, the day I told my ex I wanted a divorce, I was at my little brother's graduation and he acted a certain way. And I was like, seriously, is this actually happening? Like, we lost our money and you're still acting like a brat. And I told him we either need to get divorced or really be checked into therapy. And we already were, but like really work on our marriage. But we definitely need to stop trying to have kids. And I went home and I remembered, I'm like, I need a freaking drink. We had a four hour drive, we barely spoke. And I got home and I had the worst feeling I was pregnant. And so I peed on a stick and I thought I was pregnant. I screamed the first thing. I mean, I hope this doesn't hurt my daughter one day if she ever hears this. Cause like, thank God for that girl. Like, thank God for the therapist that told me to keep my daughter. But like, I screamed fuck, right? Like I was not sure I was going to keep my daughter. I was, I was in a very bad place. And I spoke to my therapist solo. My therapist told me I did not seem like the type of person who could live with that decision to terminate. And um, I was already, you know, permanently attached to this man you know we already had one kid together it's not like I was 
getting a clean break. Um, my ex thought it was a sign from God that we were meant to work on our marriage because had it not, he knows I would have skipped out. I knew I was pregnant getting divorced. I told my mother. She thought, said I was crazy, blah, blah, blah. Mars is such a nice guy. Mars is such a nice guy, blah, blah. Ten weeks into that pregnancy, my father-in-law died. The next day, the day of my father-in-law's funeral, I had gone down back, back to the city because they were you know, in mourning in New Jersey to pack a bag. I went for dinner with a friend and I fled all over the chair and I thought I had another miscarriage, like I was sitting in a puddle of blood. I literally remember, like, cause I, I said, Liz, I think I just peed in my friend's name. Was, I said, Liz, I think I just peed in my pants. Cause all sorts of weird things happen when you're pregnant. And then I put my hand on a seat and I pick up my hand and it's covered in blood. And I just started hysterical. It was the day of my father-in-law's funeral. What, okay, what month were you in? This was June or, or July. Oh, in my pregnancy. Yeah, your pregnancy. My father, ten, about 10 weeks, 10 weeks into my pregnancy. Oh, wow. But like once I decided to keep the baby, you know, like I wanted that baby, you get attached. Um, and I literally remember just laughing. I said, Liz, you need to get checked. I need to go to the bathroom. We need to get out of here. You need to walk me home so I can change because I'm too wet to get into a taxi. Don't call my mother. Don't call my family. Just walk me to Cornell, the hospital. I'm not, I can't tell Morris. It was the day of his father's funeral. I literally remember laughing and saying, I laughed. I, when I saw my hand, I said, I laughed and said out loud, like, God, what, what are you trying to do to me? Like, what is this test that you're trying to show me? It was the day of my father-in-law's funeral. It was just like enough already. You know what the test was? How much you want this baby now? Don't you see? <laughs> when you saw the blood, you were like, oh my God, I got to do something. Well, I already knew, well, I wanted that baby. Trust me. Like I thought I was going to die. <laughs> that was, that um, was the. But the long story short is, you know, I, my, something, my placenta detached from whatever it was. I just had a complicated mm -hmm. pregnancy, obviously, because of stress. I was in the hospital five times on IVs. It was, wow. it was complicated. And it's because of stress. Um, we were not in a good financial situation to get divorced. I had my baby three weeks later. I had my first exhibition. I didn't stop working for one day because I knew I was pregnant getting divorced and I needed to hustle. And I knew I was getting divorced in a bad financial situation. I knew I was walking away with, you know, just running away. The, we, had, we were the one smart thing my ex did while we were married. We were seed investors in this app called Priv that we started with another Syrian couple, Joey Terzi, still is the CTO. And very shitty deal. And I ran, I got divorced in six weeks. And I told my ex, I, I told myself, so I'd rather focus positive energy making my own money than negative energy fo focusing on, you know, looking for money I might never find that probably doesn't exist. Money and time on attorneys, everything is energy. And I saw my mother go through like a very hard divorce and like discovery. And like, I just felt like if I put the same amount of time that I would give to getting divorced and paying an attorney, I could generate a lot more than that because I know what I'm capable of. And that was my philosophy. And I, ran away with a plan in my head, but not much work experience. Um, my plan was to, you know, branch into consumer product in the sphere of home accessories and decor on top of my art. And as I was developing that, six months after my divorce, cherry on top surprise, I'm gonna say this without trying to get too emotional, but my dear friend and assistant, Juan Salazar, was killed in my car leaving my birthday party on the last night of Art Basel. Thank God I personally was not in the car. My two assistants were in the car. Juan passed away, leaving behind a wife and a three-year-old daughter. My other assistant was left with bleeding in his brain. I was um, 
a hot mess and completely traumatized left with, you know, I was along for every moment except for being in an accident, right? They had just left the party. I was there. I was called to the scene the accident 10 minutes later. I was in trauma units. I was a mess personally, uh, visually, like serious trauma, like real visual trauma. The things that Do I you saw, have guilt? I, Do you I, still I, carry guilt? I had a ton of guilt at the time, obviously, months and months of guilt, but uh, no, I do not carry guilt anymore at all whatsoever. I recognize that that is an act of God. Um, my car was hit while my car was in park, honestly. Um, they were pulled over on the side of a highway. Not the best place to be pulled over, but, you know, that's, I, of course, had guilt because they were in Miami, you know, technically for me, right? They were doing their own thing, and I was giving them a big opportunity, but, like, but no, it's, that was God. Like, you either have faith and believe that, that like, your time to die because of my life experience with people I've lost, you know, I also volunteered at Sloan Kettering with a baby who was three and had leukemia and she died. That was, you know, I've seen a lot of people die young and it has taught me that you can't escape death. And that if you believe in God, that's God in God's hands and uh, your time to die is your time to die. Well, true to that. Amen. Um, I want to go back to you taking less of a settlement because you knew you could make more money in the time it would take you to fight. Respect to that. I have that same mentality. Sometimes it's easier to let the money go because the time you're going to waste, you'll make the money back and you'll do it yourself, which is exactly what you did. But I know that you have abandonment issues. I know that your mom left. And it's funny, you keep saying you spoke to your mom, you spoke to your mom. So I'm assuming that even though your mom left, I don't, how old were you when your mom left? Your mom, your grandmother 13. passed away after. You were 13. So after your grandmother passed away, your mom kind of took off and you were 13 years old. So I grew up in Brooklyn across the street from my grandmother. My grandmother was the matriarch of my family and she passed away young from cancer at 65. And I guess my mother had been, you know, unhappily married for a long time. And she was saying for us, which a lot of women do, which is not necessarily always the best thing, which I kind of touched upon when I interviewed you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if parents are unhappy and there's no love, you're actually not showing a good example of a relationship to your children. But I guess after she lost her mother, again, when you lose important things, you reflect on life and you're, you recognize you're either happy or you're not. And I guess my mother wasn't happy and she said YOLO. And you know, her mom died and she wasn't happy. And I guess she left my father. In the beginning, my father moved you know, around the block and everything was normal. I, you know, he didn't want the divorce. He still loved my mother. But very shortly thereafter, four months later, so my father had given my mother a Jewish divorce, a get, but not a legal divorce, a civil divorce. They were in mediation. They were married for 16 years and they were, you know, trying to come to an agreement. And my father was set up by somebody to, with this really religious woman. She is actually Lubavitch and he got married and he called me on my birthday. So they split probably in like August, I'm going to say. This is also the year I'm entering high school. So it was a very interesting time in my life. I was going to high school as like a hot girl, okay? And all the older guys were taking me out and all the girls were talking shit and whatever. And my parents were one of the first to split. It was not common in our community. And basically my father called me on my birthday and said, hi, Liz, I want you to come over for dinner. I want you to meet my new wife while my parents were still legally married. And that led to a very... Um, interesting and when I say interesting I mean troublesome and traumatic um later teen years my father turned ultra orthodox overnight he became Lubavitch expected us to follow suit his wife is let me tell you a piece of work I'm, I I she's public so I'm not 
I don't want to uh, get into that too much, but she basically told my father that he was never allowed to speak to my mother ever again, with whom she had four children. They had four children together, ranging from eight years old to 21 at the time. Um, and a rabbi went ahead and told my father that for the sake of Shalom Bayi, which is peace of the home, that she was to, that he was to listen to her. So imagine not communicating ever, ever with, since I'm 13, with the mother of your children, like just through secretaries, fax and beeper. Like there, this was a it's outrageous. text message. It's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Did he go ahead and have kids with her after? He, I guess, brought on his, her kids into his life. You know, it was really twisted. She kind of convinced him that all we wanted from him was, was money, but really she just wanted money and control of his life. And to get rid of, you know, his former life, she was threatened by my mother. The irony of it all is that even if you did want his money, you're his family and his children. Even if you did, For, you're correct. his family. He She's not, I mean, it correct. makes no sense. His obligation really was his children he and not talking to his wife. He was hurt. Right. He was he hurt. You know, my, hurt. I learned later as I grew up from my aunt and uncle that my father had a very traumatic and difficult childhood of abuse, physical, emotional, and he never healed it. And so he kept the cycle going. So yeah. when I was getting divorced, I said, I'm going to break the cycle. My kids will not get messed up. Like I got messed up and my siblings and my family kind of like pretends like they're not, but everyone obviously gets affected when that happens. You know, like I have so many buried memories that I just choose to block out because they're not necessary. But like things like my, you know, my father wouldn't even drop us on the same block of our home when we had forced visitation. So he would drop three little kids with suitcases a few blocks away to walk home by ourselves because he was like, not normal. He left me in the emergency room in like crazy pain. I had to have emergency surgery on ruptured ovarian cysts when I was in, I was 14. And at that age, you need permission from both your parents. My father refused to pick up my mom's call. So he left me waiting in pain in the emergency room until he got to his office that day and had his secretary's fax permission. Like super sick things that are just not normal. So like I decided that that was, I just, you know, that's I'm sure an extreme of what bad divorces could look like, but I just said I'm gonna go the other, the opposite path. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. You actually asked me, I'm stealing your question now because you told me that the rabbi went ahead for Shalom Bayit and said, do whatever your wife tells you to do now. How do you feel about religion? That rabbi that... should get his rabbanu taken away. I think that there is human error in every profession and I think there are good people and bad people in every situation. I love, I'm a deeply faithful person. I clearly have a weird relationship with religion because of, you know, my father and his wife are super religious, but I don't think they're good people and not just them, right? Like other, other, you know, again, I, I feel bad talking bad about, my father's a sick person, in my opinion. He's not a bad person, he's sick, he's not well. Like, I wish him well, but, and he loves me to death, by the way. My father loves me to death. My father, I've lost him out of my life, but my father still loves me. Like, he Do still probably calls him? me. Do you talk to him? You don't talk to him. After 15 years of a very, you know, toxic relationship, I 
when my assistant was killed, I started ridding all the toxicity of my life. Um, I started in grief counseling that at first addressed car accident, but once that was done, you know, I was left with, okay, what problem did I have before that? And most of my problems stem from my, my daddy issues and my parents' divorce. So I, we started addressing that. And I, you know, I basically realized, I, I spoke to him and I tried to get him to go with me to therapy. And he said, he doesn't need therapy. We're the ones who abandoned him. He didn't abandon us. And I realized like, I don't want any superficial relationships. I don't need to waste my time. And he's not interested in getting better. And so I don't need to be in relationships with sick people. I think cleaning house is very important in people's lives. I think you have to give people, not people, family, the benefit of the doubt and try to get along as much as you can. But at some point you do have to clean house. And I will say this, your father is missing out on so much. I mean, I've only known you for two days. Yesterday we spoke on the phone a little bit and now we spoke today. I spoke on your podcast. You're speaking on mine. He is missing out on so much. I mean, I he hate to say to what a fool. He, no, he would, he would love to be in my life, right? But I don't want him in my life. He's not healthy. And he'll, yeah, but the reason the reason why healthy. he's not in your right, but the reason why he's not in your life is because he's not healthy. You know, if he'd maybe go to a rabbi that might say, you know, do whatever you can to your children. Your children should come first. Do whatever you can. Put your own happiness on the side for your children. No, you, th my, you think my father's happy? My father's not happy. My father's miserable. Well, how could you be happy with a wife who tore you away from your entire family? Not just his kids, his siblings, everybody. Right? Like she, this was what happened was really not normal and. You know, I think my, I don't know what goes on in my father's head. My guess is that, you know, he's not strong, right? Like, and she's his backbone and she dictates his life. And he, I think at this point he has burned so many bridges and he's older and like, I, he's scared to leave her. I don't know. That's his life. I, I don't know. Okay. I couldn't tell you what he so I want to ask you about your ex-husband. Your ex-husband, is he involved in your kids' lives? Is he involved in your life? Is he supportive with your career? You know, because I mean, I, I don't want you to get emotional, but I do want to ask you, in a sense, do you feel like history is repeating itself for your children? I don't want to talk too, too much about my ex-husband because, listen, my ex-husband and I got divorced for a reason. Obviously, I don't love my ex-husband, okay? And my kids are going to be, everything I put out there, my kids one day are going to hear. And I never, ever, ever want my children to hear me speaking badly about their father. Honestly, I think it's very important, right? Like I agree with you. Yeah, That's not what I'm looking for. But does he relieve you with the kids? Does he take over no, the kids? Like I mean, I, I have my kids primarily. I'm going to say 80% of the time. Um, I support my kids financially. Um, so your, your ex-husband doesn't give you... Wait, wait, wait. I need to hear this. Does your ex-husband give you financial support for the kids? I don't get alimony. I, listen, I'm not looking to embarrass anybody. It, I get $2,500 okay. a month in child support and we split our nanny and he pays their tuition and everything else we split. Okay. So that's the deal. Okay. I don't get alimony. I got a okay. small lump sum that kickstarted okay. me. Um, but I support my children. I don't get money for rent. I, all that jazz. I got a lump sum that started me off and gave me a little bit of a leeway, not very long, but it cushioned me but so also, I didn't have to make money that second. But and now I choice? support myself. Exactly. You know, what's interesting is that it was your choice. We spoke earlier and you said that you'd, you'd rather make the money yourself and not have to deal with fighting him in court. So it's ironic that you took you the why, settlement though, for That wasn't the only reason. What I realized when I was married, I grew up with a lot of financial insecurities because of my parents' divorce, because they were in court fighting over money. And not that we, we were so blessed, but like when my parents got divorced and my mother was to not have a full-time you know, job and 
it was just, I saw what happened to my mom. I never wanted to be in that position. And when I got married, my ex was always very generous with me, but I was never on bank accounts. I never knew anything. And, and I never, even though we were, and this is before we lost our money, we were very, you know, well off. I never felt financially secure. And that's crazy. And it's the reason why I realize now is because I was never financially independent. And honestly, and I know a lot of women who come from super rich families, do you know that they're the most financially insecure people I know? Because they've never supported themselves. So they don't feel like they earned it. There's guilt associated with it. You know, that's why I think it's so important for women to always be financially independent so that they have self-worth. So that if they ever do feel trapped and if they, you know, when we were on our podcast, you had mentioned that you would overhear people who cheat and blah, blah, blah. Cheating is a result of being unhappy, okay? And some people, and I see it in the community a lot, they are scared to leave because they won't have money. They're used to good lives. They know they're not going to get set. They know a lot of these guys have hidden money. They know that they're not going to get settlements that are going to keep them in their lifestyle forever. And, and they like that lifestyle. And when you're in it and you have it, it almost acts as a band-aid. So I am very grateful that we lost our money. I thank God every day that we lost our money because I don't know if I ever would have left either. And I might not have, but that's not why I left, right? But the money puts a band-aid when you're, yeah, life is great when you're in a six-star hotel traveling there first class, even, even if you're not, like it puts a band-aid, you're enjoying beautiful things and then you have friends, whatever it is. So it blur, it's like, you know that yes, life has problems. So you're, you might not be happy there, but money's not fulfilling is what I learned. Money comes and goes. The only reason right now, like I don't feel successful yet because I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I will feel successful when I am giving myself the lifestyle that I want only because I know that I will have earned that by myself. And that's the only thing that brings, you know, that security. And it also takes away your lack of freedom because I don't care what you say, money in this world is power. And a lot of women stay married just for the money. And it's, it's I don't want to say it's disgusting. I don't judge it. It's sad that they don't think that they're powerful enough or that they have the skill set or know-how to go take care of themselves. Right. Well, here's the interesting thing. I think it's very smart what you said, that women should have their own money. And the other side of the coin is this, is that you can still be in a very happy marriage and never think that you're going to get divorced, but you should still have your own money. Now, if you don't have a career, that's fine too. A very wise woman actually in my shop told me, and she was happily married. I think she was 80 years old. She was still married. She told me she's been saving money her entire marriage. Whatever her husband gave her to spend, 20% of it would go into a savings. So it's interesting and a good tip for young girls now, I know everybody spends beyond their means. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they get, you know, if you get $1,000 a week, you're spending $1,500 a week. But the reality is that. if you spend, right, but married women should know, don't depend on that to come in forever. So a little tip for women who are happily married is great. You should still have your own money and if not by a way of getting a job, save money put money away. You get money to live, put it away every day, every month, every year. Years go by, you'll have the financial independence. So I, th I think that definitely was a great thing. You can you never save enough though, honestly. And, and I also stash cash and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is, and yes, you should definitely be doing that if you have chosen not to have a career, which totally acceptable. Being a mom is a full-time job and I don't judge that at all. But there's something 
honestly, I don't feel as though I have the money yet. I don't have the money yet for me that I need. I will. I'm getting there real fast. Thank God. Um, but it's mostly that I feel fulfilled. And like, it was when I first started my career, I'll never forget, you know, I lived in a nice building. So the other women who were in my building, who then became clients of mine were, you know, housewives with means and nice lives, but they were older than I am. They, they were like in their forties and they used to say, Liz, you're so smart. You know, I wish I had something to do now. My kids are older. They're not interested in me anymore. And I'm so bored. Okay. And that's also how a lot of women get into trouble. And yeah. not, again, life is not as simple as you mentioned when you were saying, you know, like we grew apart. Some of these really successful guys, and I've seen it even with, you know, men who I date now who are those successful guys and their wives have cheated on them and embarrassed and whatever happens, right? Like and it's a story I hear over and over, not just once. Um, it's because a lot of these successful guys, they're, they're successful because they work hard and they're career focused. and and the wife ends up taking care of the family. The husband's not around all the time and she gets lonely. She gets bored, you know, like, and they seek emotion and attention. And, and that's honestly where I think a lot of these marriages go wrong. And like, even if you just have a hobby, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be charity. It, could be, it doesn't matter, but something to keep your mind busy, your minds, right? Like your kids take your heart, sometimes your mind, but it's your mind, your mind for yourself, not for your kids. So that when you are feeling lonely or your husband not giving you attention because they're right, working very hard to give you a good life, that you have a place to put that energy. Absolutely. I agree. I think that you need something to do because it's, you can't always depend on your husband for everything. You know, it's funny. My mom always said, even when she lost my father, that she needs her girlfriends. Her girlfriends give her something that even my father didn't when they were, you know, before he died or didn't gave her something that, you know, her kids didn't give her. So I agree with you, whether it's a hobby or something, you need something to keep your brain occupied and to keep it, you know, so it doesn't go to mush because you need something to think about, whether it's creativity, whether your girlfriends, you know, people don't realize how important girlfriends are. I think, I think some women don't realize that having girlfriends are really important because they can hear the shit. Maybe your husbands don't have patience to hear, you know what I'm saying? Do you think but even the girlfriends, that's exactly what they're talking about. Some of the girlfriends are talking about how much they hate their husband. <laughs> right. But again, it's mostly they, uh, a lot of couples do grow apart because of that. It's, it's an intellect gap. I'm telling you, it is an intellect gap. Like they're focused so much on business and they don't only want to hear about your child's shit that you wiped out of their ass. Excuse my language. Right. So when you have even, a hobby or a philanthropy, there are intellectual conversations that can be had um, that will, you know, kind of relate more to your spouse. And it's really nothing to do with the money and earning, honestly. Right. So do you think you would have this successful career if you were happily married today? Do you think if you were still happily married and you didn't have, you know, the problems? Absolutely not. Your... What do you think? I, why don't, why would, look, I'm a smart woman, okay? I don't know why I wasn't working. I imagine had my, encouraged, had my husband encouraged me to work, I would have been working. I used to beg him to let me formally work for Priv. I informally worked for them and did a ton of stuff for them, including the company and, you know, testing their beta and recruiting, you know, tech, like the freelancers to onboard them onto the app and a lot of things. But like, no, I was supposed to be a wife. I think that had he been on point with encouraging who I am and you know, my bold personality and my power, we never would have gone divorced because I 
think he has a kind heart. I think he was, you know, taught poorly, but I think his heart is kind. Um, he, in certain ways, is very smart. Um, in others, he's not. Again, that's your nurture. I think he was not nurtured properly. I think had he been nurtured properly, he would have, honestly, he has really genetic blessings. And I think he would have, and I hope, you know, he's grown up since we've, you know, parted ways. I wasn't able to bring that out in him. I think I was honestly too powerful for him. And I think it maybe made him feel insecure and want to hold me back. I don't really know what, you know, I can't, that's my own personal perspective, but I do hope that he, you know, I only wish my ex-husband well. I clearly have my own, you know, feelings towards him and that are not positive, um, but I only want good things for him. And, and I, I don't know. I think he would have gone very far in life had he been raised with the right lessons. He has genetic blessings and he's not a bad person. How do you handle the day to day? You know, I have a partner who does a lot more than I do because I don't have a lot of patience. So I do have a partner that really does a lot with the kids. And even though I'm with them a lot, but he's got more patience than me, you do this alone. And when you say you have the kids 80% of the time, you're with them and you are an artist, which means you have to draw photography, whatever it is you're doing, all the content, plus you're on Instagram, you hold nothing back. I mean, I wait, do a lot I'm not done. That, and you got, I know I can get to it. We have all day. I mean, you um, collaborate with people to make all kinds of things through your art. You have your two children at home. You have yourself dating. I mean, there's the list can go on forever. How I do you do it? I don't date so much, which is, so first of all, the struggle is real for real. My schedule is out of control. Every single minute of my time is spoken for. Um, I'm highly scheduled and certain times of the day are allocated for certain areas of my life. Typically pre-COVID, I wake up, hang out with my kids. My, I have a living nanny. She gets them dressed. Um, I would drive them to school, head straight to my studio, work till 5, 5.30, go home with my kids. It's really a quality over quantity because I know that my time is li limited. So I try and give them real focused attention and, you know, really engage with them when I'm with them. And then, you know, at 8, 8.30, I'm on to shift two of my work. And whether they're asleep or not, I have more work to do because on top of my fine art, um, I am a designer. I design tile. I have a, my tile collection won best in show at the two largest hospitality conventions in the country. Um, the Art Digest Design Show and the HD Expo. I have a collection with Tile Bar and we're actually working on porcelain, on a porcelain collection behind the scenes. I have a whole wallpaper collection. I have a I rug love that. collection. I have fashion I saw some of it. There's so can I tell you what I love? I saw. I No, but what I did see that I loved is I loved your flowers. And I'm not a flowery kind of a person. You know, like I don't, you know, buy flower art. I'm not a flowery, but I love your roses that you do. And I think putting them on other forms of carpets or anything else. I mean, if you wanted to get into accessories, which I think is going to be very I'm important now post-COVID. I'm going to show you when we're off this call because I have my rose rug right next I to me. I want to see. Insane. I'd love to see. Because I, I like art. I bought my first piece of art about 20, no, uh, yeah, about 25 years ago. And I remember looking at it in the window. It was a place called Get Real Art in Chelsea. And I remember getting out of my car. It was a big, huge painting by Paul Richard. I didn't know who he was. But, it, you know, I went close. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, if, if this is, I'm buying this. I don't care if it's $1,000. I don't even care if it's $2,000 I'm buying it. They opened after the I, weekend. I and it was 7000 I, I bet I, back then, 25 years ago, it was $7,000. And I just was like, do you take layaway? <laughs> and I did. I, I paid it off. And since then, I've got so many more of his pieces, which I love. 
but you know, they're darker, it's darker art. Your art, what I love about your art is that it's very positive bright, energy. it's positive, it's cheery. And I, and I actually do like it because I'm not a big fan of so much color for me, but I love it. And I also loved your butterflies. Like I could see also that going to the next level and seeing that everywhere. I think your butterflies are beautiful. Well, Reminds me of Lana Del Rey's song, Life is a Butterfly. Shape. Oh, do my you? butterfly shape is my trademark. I own my butterfly shape, this shape, in 28 product categories. Um, and we'll talk about that after. Um, but yeah. uh, you, you said, how do I do it all? Honestly, I, I sacrifice my personal life. That's the one area of my life that I don't do very well. Um, I got into one relationship after my divorce, who, and I really felt like knee deep in love. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. And I put a lot of hope into it. And like, it was really up and down. But um, don't forget that my assistant died during that time as well. So like I was so messed up. I was in no shape to get into a relationship. And uh, I had to focus on healing myself. And also, again, I, I knew when I left that I was taking on a burden to earn a lot of money and that I didn't have so much time. So I knew I was going to work. I knew I was going to be sacrificing my personal life when I left in the circumstances that I did. And I'm okay with it. Um, I think finally I'm getting to a point um, both professionally, financially, and personally, that I am, you know, in the position that I feel good and happy myself, that I hope to now have all those different parts working together and, you know, opening my heart. I got very hurt from this last relationship. I was really in love. It didn't work out. So like, again, I'm guarded. It's hard, hard for me to open up, but I'm finally in the headspace and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, give this a try again. Um, and again, financially, I feel like I'm in a good place finally. So I needed to, that was much more important for me than, you know, a personal life. Um, and now I'm finally feeling like I'm in the position that I can start to focus on it. So, um, yeah. Do you, I mean, you want to get married again? To get sick. So first of all, people try and set me up all the time and I always say no. And I always say no. Um, now I'm trying to, you know, I actually still say no. I just met someone who my friend had tried to set me up with him. And I said, no, I'm not going to date anyone who was famous. And then I met him and we hit it off. And again, there's nothing like who is we he? just started talking. I'm not saying. <laughs> Come on, tell us. We want to hear somebody not, famous. Not, I'm not saying. I'm telling you, I'm so proud about that stuff. Because okay. again, and I don't need it. I don't like it. Okay. I don't need it. That's the one area of my life that I keep so sacred. Um, but uh, but you said I, no. I, I had originally said no. I said no to the setup. And then I met him and he was so nice. And I was like, you know what? I should be more open-minded and whatever. Um, and now I'm trying to move to Miami. If the divorce gods make it happen for the year while COVID's in and out. And I hope I'm going to date there. Like I'm ready for change. I'm kind of ready to take myself out of the New York scene where people know me. I don't like, like getting spotted with guys. It's my own insecurity. But the thing is that there's so much chatter. I went for dinner with my brother at a restaurant where people knew me. And I posted a picture on social media of my donuts. And I guess my, my donuts, my dessert. And my brother's hand was in the corner. The next day, there were rumors circulating. Who was I on a date with? I, and I was out with three different guys based on the rumors. It was my brother. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you so. a little secret you probably already know. You're going to get famous. You're going to make a lot of money and people are going to be looking over your shoulder no matter where you go. So it's just inevitable. I'm going to try and hide as much as possible. I like to yeah, try but, and hide. 
you'll get used to it, trust me. You look like the type, you'll know how to handle it. I, I know, I, I have faith in you. You didn't answer my question about getting married. Do you want, is, is marriage something you'd be willing to do again? I would love to. I would okay. love to find the right person. I'd like to have more children very badly, like, and soon, honestly, which is one of the reasons I'm trying to be open. Um, I would love to get married again. I'm not necessarily afraid to get divorced again, but that's definitely not what I want. That's not how I'm going to marriage. If I can find a man who can um, support and, you know, be comfortable with the amount of power I have as a woman and who's going to, you know, allow me to be who I am and encourage me to flourish and, you know, give me the support that I need. Um, yes, I'd love to be with somebody and have another father figure for my children. I'm definitely very lonely. I have so many friends, but I'm very lonely. Divorce guys are good for you. And I'm going to tell you why. And I tell this to women who are like 30, 32, because you said something very interesting. You don't want to get divorced again. Is that what you just said, right? Do you know men specifically, especially, do not want to get divorced twice? Nobody does. So usually when you marry a divorce, uh, a guy who was divorced once before, or married once before, they know what they like, what they don't like, and they don't want to get divorced either. So I find that people second time around are a lot better with their second wife. So just keep that in mind. I mostly, when I do date, because it's not like I haven't dated at all, 90% of the men I date are divorced, just because shared life experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yes, and nobody wants to get divorced twice, so you know it's the second time, it's gotta work. What are the criterias for a man for you? What, what are the criterias for you to date somebody seriously? For me, seriously? I am attracted to um, intellectual stimulation. So that's like, for me, the most important thing. Um, I need kindness, they need to have a kind heart. I love ambition, so usually intellect and ambition generate some level of you know financial success, but again, that's not what does it for me. Um, right they need to support me and love me and my children. And that's it. And okay. by support, I mean, okay. give me what I need. Be kind to me, treat me well. I am a queen and you best treat me like a queen. Okay. And I will treat that's you like a king as well. You know, like I, I want to take care of somebody. I'm actually super naturing. I can't, what COVID taught me is that I, I really miss taking care of, I can take care of my kids. I love my kids. Thank God for my kids. Otherwise I, I don't know where I'd be, honestly. Like they give me all the love that I need, which is why I feel satisfied to a degree, but it's obviously not the same thing as having a partner. Um, I, I want to have, you know, a normal family structure again. Like I would love to cook dinner for somebody when I come home, as long as they're helping me in other ways so that they take something else off my plate. I want to serve someone dinner and, you know, wake up and have coffee with someone and chit chat and go to work and come home and whatever. Yeah. I guarantee it's going to happen. And you said something funny. It's like, you want to be a queen and you'll treat them like a king. It's funny. Me and Brad went to, you are a queen. Me and Brad went to therapy after seven years. I told you we went a few times after that, but the one after seven years was really the main one. And I will say, I learned one thing. I told him, I need you to put me first and I'll put you first. So before you do anything, think about how I'm going to like it. And before I do anything, I'll think about how you're going to like it. I told him, I want you to be as happy as you could be as long as it doesn't affect me negatively in any way. I'm the dick in the relationship if you haven't figured that out yet. He's a sweetheart, I'm like the dick, but I totally get it. I think relationships are honestly about compromise in a lot of things. And just, you know, if you love someone enough, you will compromise on certain things as long as it doesn't go against the fiber of who you are. And that's why it's very important that you share the same values and, you know, foundation. But 
um, I think it, it stems from mutual respect also. So where can people find you? You were at Art Basel. And I'm everywhere. You're, uh, I'm everywhere. You're everywhere, but, but I mean, Art Basel is a big thing. People go all over to If you want to follow along, art. you can find me every day on my Instagram, on my stories, especially. I'm in the middle of shifting how I put my life out there. But all my creative, my art, my designs, my cooking is all on my Insta story. To hear my voice, I'm transitioning that more into my podcast. Um, my podcast is called Success by Design. It's on Apple, Spotify, everywhere where you can listen to a podcast. My Instagram handle is at Elizabeth Sutton Collection. And I also have a lifestyle blog, ElizabethSuttonCollection.com, where I speak about resilience, entrepreneurship, art and design, and recipes. I, on top of being an artist, my first creative love was cooking. And I've gotten way more into that. Um, and I have delicious recipes, so they can be checked out there. Great. I can't wait to check it out, too. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And I can't wait to meet you in person. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life.com.